Welcome to Eat, Drink, and Do Good, a newsletter and now podcast from Studio Atel. I'm Jenny Dorsey, the studio's executive director. Each month, we feature original social justice op-eds with a focus on the food, beverage, and hospitality industries. In these upcoming episodes, we'll be revisiting some of our favorite pieces from 2021. I hope you enjoy the podcast today, and if you're learning something from these op-eds, please consider supporting us on Patreon at Studio Atal, spelled Studio A-T-A-O. Speaking Up About Language Inclusivity in Healthcare by Jessica Chow. Coming from an immigrant community, I know that being born in the U.S. and speaking native English is a privilege. Perfect English can open doors that my parents, with their accents and occasionally incorrect grammar, could never access, despite having been in this country for over 40 years. Ever since I was a child, I have seen the contrast between how they are treated at stores, restaurants, banks, and the doctor's office, and when I advocate for them with my native English. The discrimination and challenges from language barriers are far from unique to my family. According to the Pew Research Center, almost half of all immigrants in the U.S. above the age of five are not proficient in English. 67 million Americans speak a language other than English at home. That's almost one in four Americans. And let's remember, English is not even the official language of the United States. The dominance of English in our daily lives has made life more difficult for millions of Americans, inhibiting access to services like healthcare, as well as increasing the burden on more English-fluent community and family members. Even those who do speak English, but with a seemingly less palatable accent, face this discrimination. I have heard many non-native English-speaking American citizens knowingly refer to themselves as second-class citizens because they know to expect more hostility and impatience in everyday interactions. While many applaud white Americans who learn a foreign language, there is often a misguided assumption that those who are not English proficient are somehow less qualified, credible, or intelligent. Public health research shows that language access improves patient satisfaction, utilization of preventative services, and health outcomes. Conversely, lack of quality health care has huge economic costs. While there are some governmental structures in place to protect those who may not speak English fluently, for example, not providing health care information in one's preferred language is legally considered discrimination based on national origin and in violation of Title VI of the 1964 Civil Rights Act. Much of the work in offering equitable treatment has fallen upon the private sector. In my recent health equity research work, I have interviewed hundreds of healthcare providers, patients, and patient family members. Many doctors apologetically admit that they aren't able to make sure their patients fully understand everything. Although federal law requires all patients to have access to care in their preferred language at no cost, 
the reality is that language access is usually subpar. There is a dearth of quality medical interpreters, leading to long wait times, cases of mistranslation, and lack of trust between the patient and the healthcare system. I've also heard doctors acknowledge that language services at their hospitals are not prioritized because they know this population won't be litigious. This lack of access and resources are another manifestation of our country's xenophobia and racism that has long prevented BIPOC and immigrant communities from a healthy quality of life. Many limited English proficient patients are apprehensive to even seek care because they are worried about matters that native English speakers likely take for granted. Filling out patient intake forms, the dialogue to explain symptoms to a physician, and implicit biases that ultimately lead to undertreatment of problems. In fact, research has shown Asian Americans with limited English proficiency are more than twice as likely to not have a regular doctor. Patient family members from non-English speaking households are far more likely to be helping their loved ones with healthcare than their English speaking counterparts. And 44% of Asian American family caregivers report feeling high levels of emotional stress. To further compound this issue, most innovations in digital health meant to solve existing healthcare issues are almost always geared towards the dominant culture in the US, white, English fluent patients with Western European roots. For example, companies like Livongo, Omada, and Verda are creating digital tools to improve diabetes management, a problem also seen in many communities of color. However, when I tried to see whether they would have services in my mother's native language or diet plans that fit her cultural dietary restrictions, I was left disappointed. As the face of American seniors becomes more diverse, this lack of language inclusivity has become an even more pressing problem. Asian and Hispanic Americans are the fastest growing segment of Medicare beneficiaries, and we need to ensure even those who are non-fluent English speakers are aware of their rights to access information in their preferred language. In my research, many patients and their families did not even realize that hospitals were required to provide interpretation services for free when requested. We can all become better advocates for patients with limited English. And here are some ways to start. First, learn about the history of bias and racism in healthcare. Second, invest in and support solutions that work to improve language inclusivity. Support and donate to grassroots groups such as federally qualified health centers that work with culturally sensitive community clinics to increase access to health literacy information and multilingual care for these communities. Finally, we all must remain committed to the anti-racist work that is at the core of language and cultural inclusivity. As leading public health experts have stated, closing the gap in racial health outcomes in the U.S., will only be accomplished by identifying, confronting, and abolishing racism as an American tradition and the root of inequality. All patients, regardless of language or culture, deserve a healthcare experience they trust. If you enjoyed this episode, you can find all prior issues of Eat, Drink, and Do Good 
on Studio Tao's website at studiotao.org newsletter. I'm Emily Chen, the head of content at the studio. Every month, we'll be releasing a new newsletter and podcast with social justice analyses from new and emerging writers. Make sure to sign up for our mailing list and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter to be the first to know on all new episodes. All of our contributors are paid for their time and work, so if you're able, please consider supporting us as a monthly donor via Patreon or via a one-time gift at studiotow.org donate. Thank you for listening.